0: Welcome to the United Pubcast. It is the best pub in the country. It's the best pub in the world because we discuss Manchester United and we do it over beer. Except we're not in the pub because it's 2020 and the world's just a little bit crazy. But the saddest thing is, unfortunately, this wraps up the season for Manchester United. I'm again, crashing to Sevilla. I feel like we could have recorded this podcast maybe two years ago, Tom.
1: Yeah, it feels very... We should be sort of doing the intro as a little bit of a Jose Mourinho on football heritage. Um, Sevilla come back to haunt us to sort of kill our season off unfortunately
0: well they've lived up to their heritage they've knocked us out of european competition 2-1 after manchester united did open the scoring with another bruno fernandez penalty it almost it's just like brushing your teeth in the morning isn't it but nonetheless tom let's rip straight into it there's a lot to go through in this game Uh, david de gea comes in uh for the europa league semi-final the biggest game solskjaer reverts to his best goalkeeper uh what did you make of that selection and where do you think that leaves sergio romero
1: well, it's interesting. In, in the last episode, we spoke about, OK, well, Solskjaer has opted for Romero and it looks like he'll go for, for Sergio Romero for the rest of the tournament. However, and I am one of the ones who said I probably preferred De Gea to come in but can understand and sort of fully accept what Solskjaer is doing with Romero. But he, he's completely flipped it here. And it really caught me off guard. And it's just an interesting one now with Romero in regards to you look at Sheffield United just bought the Bournemouth goalkeeper for £18 million. Pound. Now, a club like Sheffield United aren't spending £18 million on a reserve goalkeeper. They're spending that on a number one goalkeeper. So that puts Dean Henderson back at United now that throws up like we haven't had enough debate of, over De Gea and Henderson. But United look now looking to send Henderson out on loan, but maybe sort of away from England to so maybe one of the European clubs because, again, De Gea is staying at United. We all know that. And... I know you've made the case that you can see maybe da- um, Henderson joining to Hay at United and sort of fighting it out. Personally, I can't see that. But, um, yeah, so just back to the original point of Sergio Romero, I think it leaves him in the wilderness. I think he's gone now because that, I think, would really piss him off.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you recall, it might have been the last episode or the episode prior, what I suggested in that was Henderson comes back and I actually think Romero's the one who leaves. I think there is a likelihood now and an acceptance from Henderson and his camp to say, you know, I have been at Sheffield United and despite playing well, perhaps not as in a strong position to say I'm demanding the number one position at Manchester United. So I think that is the likely outcome. But of course, it is something that Well, should become clearer in the coming weeks, and um, of course we will discuss it here. Tom, moving on uh, throughout the team, um, another selection that did raise eyebrows was seeing Fred come in for Nemanja Matic. Now, for what we consider our strongest eleven, you do have the Serbian sitting in the six. What did you make of that selection, and was it the right call?
1: It was the right right or wrong call, I'm not quite sure, but Fred did okay like he did in the previous match. But it's just a case of, you think, Matic maybe just offers that a little bit more, and I'd No issue with Fred playing But I don't understand the reasoning For Solskjaer's selection of him And it's not a criticism of it I just don't understand what He thinks Fred will offer That Matic doesn't It could be a little thing Like his energy Um, Did we really need that energy Against Severe In a game we sort of Probably did dominate In in most parts I think we played quite well So Fred didn't do anything bad But I just don't understand Pretty much don't understand Why Matic didn't play I, I don't understand what Fred offers That Matic doesn't And we sort of the stats back up, when we play madic we do often win the game. And when he often doesn't play, we often don't win the game. So it's an interesting one. But I just saw on Facebook, George brought a question up just in regards to this topic. He said two, two games in a row now that Fred has started over madic in a must-win game. Do you think that's because of Madic's age and Ollie will look to replace him in the start in 11? Or do you think... Um, or, or when someone already at the club or a new arrival? So... You look at the money sort of bandied about for Jaden Sancho, I think, which we'll definitely get into transfers, I think Jaden Sancho is almost our only target. As much as I'd love to see a centre-defensive midfielder come in, I just don't... I, I can't see whether that happens this window. So just what do you think in regards to just what George said there in terms of Solskjaer's sort of future over Matic?
0: Yeah, it's a strange one. Uh, look, I, I don't think there's any case where he's looking to send him out of the club he just signed a new deal right so he's definitely going to be here but look we've said well at least I have you know I think replacing Madic is of uh, crucial importance not because he's not a good player but simply because of his age he's got mobility issues and unfortunately if he was five years younger we'd have no problem but he's just not that player anymore so I think there is a need and for me if I, I understand the links with Jack Relish, I think addressing a number six is a lot more crucial for United and I think that's a position they do need to prioritise with the right wing. So if you can get a Sol Niguez or a, um, a, a Thomas Party, excuse me, from Atletico Madrid, I think those are players that definitely do strengthen United and it is more urgent of a need than, say, a Jack Grealish. But, but, what, but again, what do you we'll, see yeah.
1: the reasoning for picking Fred over Matic is in regards to this specific game over 90 minutes? Why do you well, think Solskjaer has opted for him?
0: Who knows, Tom? I mean, it, it's hard to say. You'd have to think it ha- it must have something to do with the energy that... Something that the scouting or the coaches have seen in terms of the way Sevilla play. They think, you know, more intensity, you need more ground to cover. Perhaps that's why you go with Fred. I think that's the only area he probably does cover Matic in terms of how much ground he can cover. But look, it, it, like you said, it didn't end up being that sort of game. So, look, there are a lot of questions to come out of this game at the manager. So if the opportunity did come to ask him... It is definitely one that I'm sure someone would raise. Um, moving on, I think there were more pressing issues, unfortunately, from this game. The defence. Jeez. Um, I mean, the first goal, Brendan Williams, yeah, you could probably say he was pulled out of position. But, geez Tom, let's go into that second goal because just a comical of errors, wasn't it? And we've seen it. It seems that every single defender has some level of fault. You could argue one player maybe had more responsibility than the others. Where do do you see this goal? Um, Lindelof, we've seen the now infamous footage of Bruno giving Lindelof a mouthful. What what were your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I've just watched it back just five minutes before we recording because during the match when I saw them go through, I just had a, sometimes you just get that gut feeling something bad's going to happen. And when I saw Sevilla breaking through on the right, I just walked away because I just felt a goal coming. So I didn't actually see the goal live, I just heard it on the commentary. But I've watched it back painfully. And yeah, it's a, a lot of people can be at fault. I think Harry Maguire's probably the only one not at fault in that sequence. I think Brandon Williams doesn't do anything wrong. He just, he should do better. He should get a little bit closer. I'm not saying that is a real criticism. It's just a case in, you look back in hindsight, what could have, would have, could have been prevented. I think Brandon Williams definitely could have closed the cross down. And then it comes down, I've seen a lot of the debate on Twitter, especially in regards to Bruno and Lindelof having that little spat at the end of the match or after the goal. A lot of people blaming Lindelof Lindelof potentially could re- maybe read it a little bit better But it's a deflected cross which always sort of changes the flight of the ball And a little bit hard for a defender I think the main fault, and again not blaming him fully for the goal, it's a team game I think the main fault was uh, Aaron Wan-Bissaka, his position I think he sees there's only one striker in the box and he's behind Lindelof So Wan-Bissaka shouldn't be behind the striker He should just make, make the extra two yards up, get goal side Make sure that Lindelof doesn't have anything to worry about with that striker in behind Lindelof, Lindelof doesn't know where he is. So Wan-Bissaka needs to take responsibility and get into a position where if the ball does fall to the striker, well, he has to beat Wan-Bissaka. He doesn't get a free shot on goal. So, look, I love Aaron Wan-Bissaka. I think he's done well, I think, in the last couple of... Or since post-lockdown, his defense, he's been fine, but defensively he's been a little bit sort of hit and miss, and today was definitely a miss, and it's ultimately cost us, I think.
0: I think... You, oh, I mean, that's a hard one, or... I actually didn't think... I th- where I think Wan-Bissaka did do wrong was he didn't anticipate Lindelof making an error. I think that's my criticism of him. I felt that he could see that Lindelof potentially... You know, he saw that the striker did get goal-side. But he should have at least anticipated, because he was there. You, you need to anticipate that your centre-half might make the error. I feel like that's what the really intelligent defenders do. So that's where I think wan did did fail. But in my opinion, Lindelof is the sole culprit. I mean, not the sole culprit. I should say the main culprit for this goal. Like you said, uh, Brendan Williams probably could do better to shut the cross down. Um, you know, I've seen criticism of Maguire. I'm with you. I, I feel like, yeah, I, I've seen, you know, his positioning. Maybe he could be closer. But again, I don't think he could have done too much. Um, it's a difficult one. I've got to say, though, can I just say, I, I was really proud to see Bruno sort of doing that. I just I feel like that's what you need in a in a top team aspiring to achieve the best. You need to hold players accountable. It doesn't mean he hates Lindelof. It just means that there's a high center of a high level of uh, caliber that we're aiming for as a club. And I I've got to say I really enjoyed seeing that leadership out of the Portuguese.
1: Well, I didn't see anything uh, sort of uh, sort of too serious with it. everyone's blown up about it and said, oh, this is captain material or this is what we need or Lindelof shouldn't take that. He should have said this Solskjaer needs to get control of the dressing room. It's just normal, Just have the cameras sort of just picked it up. I remember when I used to play, people used to threaten each other, people to threaten to kill each other uh, when we concede a goal. This is normal, it's just the, ca- the cameras happen to catch this one. And I think a lot of people have said, in terms of, they're currently frustrated with Harry Maguire, and they've said, oh, Bruno Fernandes should be captain because of, for some reason, because he was the a defender, that some, for some reason people think that should be captain material. And I think Bruno Fernandes is obviously a leader, but he, and he leads in his own right. But I don't think you can have a leader who constantly makes mistakes, and I'm not saying he makes mistakes by, I'm not criticizing him for it. I think that's his style of play. His style of play opens himself to, uh, to giving the ball away uh, sort of quite often throughout a match, and I don't think a captain can do that. I think a captain needs to lead by example, and if your captain's constantly giving the ball away, which is sort of by definition of a mistake, I don't think that's leading by example, and I don't agree with people who say Bruno should be captain. I think Maguire's done very well this season. Obviously, sort of, there's limitations to his game, but he's come into a big club, world record transfer fee for a defender, and I think Harry Maguire's handled himself very well as captain. Um, obviously, if you had to pick a bunch of what pe- players from world football, you'd have a different captain than Harry Maguire, But um, out of all the players we've got at the club, I'm sort of I'm pretty pleased with Harry Maguire as captain.
0: No arguments from me there, and yeah, I'm with you. I, <clears throat> as much as I do like Bruno, you're kind of a player who plays with that much risk being your captain. Because if he ever gives anyone grief for making an error, they can be like, well, you know, the reason we're defending is because you keep turning the ball over. So I'm I, definitely I think that, I with think That's there.
1: exactly what Lindelof's saying. He's saying, hang on, we don't have to defend if you don't give the ball away.
0: Yeah, so Tom, um, looking at, I mean, where the criticism kind of starts with Oli here, the substitutions, geez, that was strange, weren't they? We, we didn't see a substitution until the 86th minute. And even then, so we had one Basaka taken off for of Dan James, we had Fosu Mensa coming on for Brendan Williams, and then you had one Mata coming on for Rashford. And, and we'll get into Rashford, but what did you make of the subs? Again, we've sort of touched on this. Do you just think, again, asking the question, does he have a lack of faith in his squad?
1: I don't care if he has a lack of faith, lack of trust. You just have to risk it. It's a case, if a player is putting a 2 out of 10 performance, you have to take him off and risk it. Not, not even risk it. You have one matter who's proven to be a quality footballer. A game in Europe, a European semi you need good footballers out on the pitch. Marcus Rashford, which we'll get into Rashford in a little bit, is an athlete. He, look, he's a good footballer, but he's not on the level of one matter. And we sort of we just talked about Lindelof and Bruno in terms of giving the ball away. Rashford was just giving the ball away for fun in this game, which was sort of suddenly the pressure was paying in terms of we're all sort of constantly having to go back and defend because of carelessly giving the ball away. One matter is not going to do that because he's very good footballer. He takes a lot of care with the ball. So the substitutions, I think, Okay, I, it's Solskjaer's opinion that he doesn't trust the bench. That's fine, that's his opinion. We all have opinions on the players. But you have to put your opinion to the side and just say, hang on, this is a professional footballer, two arms, two legs. He's in the squad. I'm paying him big money. He can come on and try and fix things if things aren't working.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a difficult one. I, I, in defence of Oli, I will say that, you know, I just I think of park football, right? And you've played the game at a good level, if you don't trust your teammates, particularly when they've played in the past and, you know, you see that they're not playing well, it's almost like, uh, you know, you want to see them come off. So I can sort of understand from Oli's point of, point of view where he's given these guys opportunities throughout the season. And you've got to say, the ones who have come on, with the exception of one Mata, who, of course, is a classy player, but maybe his age you got to say the rest of them haven't proven their points this season I'd, I'd say a lot of people would tell you dan james isn't good enough for manchester united i think um you know the, the first for Mensa sub was strange to me i don't feel like it really made a difference on the game but make of it what you will um agalo one i did think was a little bit strange because you know it's like we did bring him in in january he was scoring goals in the europa league so that one was a little bit weird um but you know look i think it i've seen this argument and say it's a statement to the board i don't think that's the case um, but he is he, ha- he did come out a few days ago, didn't he, Ollie? And he did say, you know, we, we need to spend money. So while it wouldn't be a conscious thing during a semi-final knockout, it- it's clear he definitely wants some investment in the squad. So we'll definitely see how that one does play out. Well, I think um, Solskjaer Pro-
1: should always... He's almost, he was the super sub when he used to play. You'd think he would sort of recognise the importance of changing a game. And you can't change a game when sort of the season is on the line in the 88th minute. That's not the time to change it. You change it in the 58th minute or the 60th minute. And I, I understand the scores are different at that time, but yeah, um, yeah. look, I, I love Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and it's definitely not an Ollie Out sort of comment, but he, he takes a lot of the blame for me for this game. And Josh left a comment saying the same thing. Don't mistake this for an Ole Out argument, but um, he has to take a lot of the blame to the 85th minute and the first substitute first substitute is made far too reactively. It's not the first time it's happened. I don't know if that's down to naivety or a sheer lack of faith in the subs we have on the bench, which is what we talked about. But look, definitely not blaming Solskjaer for loss because we actually played quite well. I thought we played very well against Sevilla. It was just one of those days we didn't win. But I think you have to sort of mark him down for his um, decisions.
0: There you go, Ollie. Tom's marked you down, and he is—he is a, is a school—he te- is a real PE teacher. So people want to call Ollie the PE teacher, mate. Tom knows all about that. So he's ready to replace Ollie if he's not careful. Tom, let's go into 3 2 1s. Um, well, you don't want to go, get into three. Rashford? I've
1: got a little bit to say about Rashford.
0: Oh, you? I, mean, I don't know, man. I, just, I, feel like, I feel like we've crucified him enough, but all right, let's let rip.
1: Well, what do you think his performance is? Okay, well, one of the arguments is okay, Solskjaer should sub him. Of course, we, we understand that. But him as a footballer, what do you think? Because Jaden Sancho is the, obviously the heavily linked player, and I hope that we do get Jaden Sancho. It's a debate for another podcast his future is in terms of that front three Martial plays over Marcus Rashford Mason Greenwood plays over Rashford in a year or two Jaden Sancho definitely plays over Rashford he's so careless on the ball like we had a, 10 players playing out there quite disciplined football It came, the ball came out to left on to Rashford and he was just playing his own thing it's like when we're playing pro clubs on FIFA and we give you the ball and you just start dribbling just trying to make something happen and everyone else is doing their individual jobs and Marcus Rashford is just playing his own game And, look, there's a comment, and it's a very harsh comment, and I don't agree with it, but in the heat of the moment, thank God we didn't record this podcast 12 hours ago. But correct me if I'm wrong, or tell me I'm wrong, Rashford is Dan James with an attitude, or Dan James with an ego. Because what else does he offer? When he is having a bad game and things aren't clicking for him, what does he offer the team? And I love Marcus Rashford, it's hard saying this, but we have to be honest.
0: All right, uh... This is what I will say about Marcus Rashford. I think he had an unreal start to the season. Okay, I think he dipped off a little bit when Martial came out of the side. And I think once uh, the Frenchman did return, we saw a, a peak in Rashford's performances. In fact, I'd say it's the best we've seen from him at Manchester United. He was re- having an unbelievable goal return. He then unfortunately suffers a bad back injury, a, a, fracture, a, a stress fracture. He's been out for a couple months. Football goes into suspension. He gets six months off in total, and gets and and well, about five months, let's say, and then he comes back into the side. Am I right in saying the Bournemouth game was probably the only, uh, the only match where he really performed well? Do, would you agree with that?
1: Look, it's look. I forget all the individual games. I know he did very, he did play very well in that game, but it's just. It's not what i have said when plays like Martial this season, he's had 9 out of 10 performances, but his worst game has been a 7 out of 10 performance. Rashford has all the attributes in the world to give out sort of 10 out of 10 moments, but if he's not 10 out of 10, he's 2 out of 10. And yeah. he's got all the ability in the world, but he's just, like I said with Prayer at the start of the season, decision making of a donut. He just gets the ball and he's in his own world. He just, I think he believes his own hype. And again, I love the stuff that he does off the field but it just looks like everything's come to him a little bit too soon and he's starting to believe his own hype, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, look, what I will say is, and and the point I wanted to make was, as you said, he does have all the talent in the world. Yes, his decision-making needs work. I think Oli needs to take a little bit of the blame for Rashford's performance, and the reason I say that is he is being deployed in a different way. If anyone's noticed, the way he was playing prior to his injury versus now is completely different. He's playing a playmaker role now where he's sort of hugging the, the hugging the sideline. I think Luke Shaw being out has also impacted him. I don't think Brendan Williams has played extremely well since he's come back into the side. The last point I do want to make is it was an injury that I think was his first big injury in his career. So I'm willing to give him just the benefit of the doubt simply because he's still a young player and it is a difficult injury to come back from. What I will say is he needs to start next season particularly well. If he doesn't, and we do get the signing of Sancho, we have said it here before, I think there is a very real likelihood that your front three could be Mason Greenwood, Jadon Sancho, Anthony Martial. The point I also wanted to make was the fact that Martial being out of the side coincided with Rashford's dip in form and the upturn in his form with Martial coming back in I think that tells you about the quality that Martial has, and perhaps Rashford isn't the. And I mean this in, in a respectful way, but maybe he isn't, you know, the hot talent of that front three. I actually think Martial's the key. So, yeah, we'll see how it plays out. But I, would you agree with me to say next yeah, season the look, start I'm is I'm crucial?
1: Potentially a little bit harsh. Maybe it's in the heat of the moment and it's a competition I definitely did want to win. And Rashford, his performance it was quite bad, and it just ate up at me a little bit. But I just think yeah, he, he could go on and become a club legend and I think he very well could do, and I, I pray to God that he does become a club legend. But I think we do need to maybe sort of understand and sort of accept what he will be as a footballer. We can't expect uh, Marcus Rashford to be a superstar because he's not gonna be that. Because you see the likes of Mason Greenwood, Jadon Sanger, Anthony Marshall have so many bows to their game. Marcus Rashford has one, and that one needs to click. And um, again, I don't want to sound too harsh on him because all those factors you did mention, the injury, um, the teammates in terms of linking up with Anthony Martial, he's still very young, so he obviously will improve. I think Solskjaer hasn't handled him fantastically since Solskjaer's sort of come into the club. and I remember last year planning through injury as well. So maybe a little bit harsh on Rashford, but yeah, definitely he has to watch his place if Jaden Sancho comes in because I don't see a spot in the team for him.
0: Well, geez... Tom's made the call here, guys. Marcus Rashford will not be world-class. It's I'm not saying I disagree with you, or I agree with you, but it is a bold call. No, no, not at all. How many world-class players are there in world football, right? Yeah. But, you know, I think a lot of people do sort of sit on that fence of he'll either be elite or he's sort of lukewarm, and... You know, maybe he maybe his ceiling is a squad player for Manchester United. But look, I'm sure it's something we can rip into and something that a, a talking point that will come out of this podcast. Tom, uh, let's go on to our three two ones. Yeah,
1: three two ones, I'm trying to think. Maybe Bruno for me for three. A little bit hard this one.
0: Yeah, it is, isn't it? Um You know we actually created opportunities in this game.
1: We, we played well. <laughs> like, it was weird. We played well. Yeah. Um, yeah. I thought Pogba
0: deserves the three points, mate. I actually thought Pogba played really well today.
1: Yeah, I'd Bruno and Pogba, flipping between them, between three and two. So, as the host, I'll let you choose.
0: Look, I I will say Pogba. I just think that the way he was on the ball, again, very composed. And, again, we will talk about next season, obviously, over the next few weeks. But we need to find a system that deploys Pogba further forward. I think he's just so talented and has unbelievable vision and... Just the ability he has, it's just a waste to have him so deep. I know, he, and again, he played well today. He kept the ball ticking over. I feel like that's something, again, that Fred doesn't have. So that's something Pogba did do well. So I would give it a Pogba. I I just, yeah, I think he's, I just, I thought he was the best player on the pitch. And by by all means, to how we sort of stumbled into this is no one was really brilliant. I think he was the best out of a bad bunch.
1: Yeah, well, I think they okay, Pogba for three and Bruno for two because if you're going to play well you need your midfield to play well and I thought Pogba and Bruno both did well and it's sort of the team did well we created chances on another day we win that game 4-5-1 or five, one, and we're thinking of Vintage United were favourites for the Europa League on Saturday morning Sydney time um, just one of those things that wasn't meant to be
0: Speaking of one of those things one point am I, am I being biased if I want to say Martial? I just thought that you know, again, he he made them. He had the most clear cut chances. Now the criticism would be, you need to finish one of those. But again, a goalkeeper has a weldy against Manchester United.
1: I think in a game where you ultimately bow out of the competition, and oh, look, we haven't lost the game because Anthony Martial's missed his chances. But even if you do play well, which I thought Martial was fine, he, he sort of did his job well. When it came time to really do his job and put the ball put the ball in the goal, he didn't do it. And look. Not, ultimately, it did cost us, but I'm not sort of going to pile that blame on him. But I think it would be hard to give him a point. I know, I know you're sort of trying to kill me through the microphone that i and try not to give him a point. But I thought, it it sounds bad to Say he he let us down or he cost us. He didn't. But um, he needs to put those away to, um, in terms of this time of the season when big moments um, come call in. You need to arrive, and I don't think he did that. And I'm thinking maybe, I thought Mason Greenwood was... Lively, I thought he did quite well because he's been a little bit in and out on the right hand side lately. But I thought he did quite well.
0: All right, I'm with you. Uh, we'll give it to Mason. Uh, um, again, I thought he had a few good opportunities there. Um, I get, took that shot on the half half volley. So yeah, all right, we'll give it to the young Englishman. And again, another one who I think will have an unbelievable season. Uh, in well, in a month really, isn't it? So mm. it's going to come around quick, smart. Um, Tom. Um, I mean. I just want to go in, uh, um to Heath Chong because this news sort of come out recently. Um, he's gone on loan to Werder Bremen. Uh, do you think that he's obviously a German club in the Bundesliga? Do you think this is a good move for him?
1: Oh, it, it had to happen wherever it was, whether he went to England, Italy, or obviously now he's in Germany. I think it's only a season-long loan. I think there was reports it was going to be a two-year loan. Uh, I haven't really read it though. I know United made a statement, but to be honest, I couldn't be bothered reading it. But it, it needed to happen, he needed to go and get game time because he wasn't getting it at United um, He I think he came out left back a week or two ago you know, in the last five minutes, and people were starting to think he's going to be our new left back over Luke Shaw for God's sake, but um, <laughs> ho- ho- hopefully he does well personally I don't see future for him at United I don't see great quality in his play, I think he's got a li- little bit like Mark Fresher, but fantastic attributes can be flashy on the eye I think for what United need, I I think when you look at the likes of players who are going to be in his position, Jaden Sancho, hopefully, Mason Greenwood, Marcus Rashford. to his credit, Anthony Martial can play out wide. Um, I don't think Chong's at that level. But who knows, maybe a full season of first-team football, um, maybe the opinions change.
0: Yep, we shall see. Hopefully he can take his opportunity. Uh, Tom, I'll just take it to you to go through uh, our uh, social media comments.
1: Yeah, so one or two more Facebook comments. We read a few out earlier in the podcast, but Shane from the Supporters Club said he should have substituted him with Igalo, who did very well when Rashford was injured. I think he's talking about Rashford there in terms of maybe playing Igalo through the middle and Martial um, out wide on the left. Because when Martial drifted out to the left, he actually looked very dangerous, as he um, often has in the past. Um, And Robert, um, happy birthday, by the way, Robert, obviously. Well, not a happy birthday um, today, unfortunately, but you know what we mean. Said Our defence lost us the game tonight. I, th- I thought our attack was decent, obviously not clinical. Rashford should have got the hook at half-time, late subs because there was no quality on the bench. I-, I don't understand why Matic wasn't playing. This team is always an injury away from going backwards again. And I think it's said, uh, which, which I've defended the bench in this podcast, thinking it's not as bad as Ole Gunnar Solskjaer thinks, but I think it almost is a case like that. If you do get that one injury to Pogba or Bruno or someone like maybe Martial now, the score does look very thin, and it just calls for that sort of serious need for investment.
0: Yeah, well, definitely, I don't disagree there. And
1: that is all for Facebook comments I think today.
0: Alrighty, uh, so um, I guess one more point that we do want to bring up. Um, again, not a big one in terms of United, but on the outs, uh, we do have Marcos Rojo. His agent suggests he'll return to Manchester United. Uh, what do you make of that?
1: Well, what I saw from it was just their Instagram post where it sort of had the United shirt and Mark Rowe, number 16, and just sort of, I think those little eye emojis saying he's ready to return or something. I don't know the latest of the situation, but I think it might very well be a case of, and I've said this with Chris Smalling coming back, I'm not sure the latest on him, but even with Rojo, I think all the eggs are going to go into this Jaden Sancho basket. And I think the club are in a position now where if, if fans were to put money on it now, I think most would maybe put their money on Jadon Sancho not happening. Um, definitely a lot of twists and turns to come, but I think United are now in a position where they understand the fan, what the fans' backlash will be, and United is so sort of heavily invested in good PR at the moment. I think they're just going to make the Jadon Sancho deal happen, even if they've paid the $120 million up front in one instalment. I, I think they're just going to get it done. And if that's the case, which I think it will be, there's not going to be any other signings which will be at a detriment to United United shouldn't do that if we if we have to spend the whole budget on Jadon Sancho we shouldn't be doing it we should be looking at three or four so-called lesser players to sort of thicken up the whole squad but i think that is going to be the case where we go and get Jadon Sancho for r- ridiculous money and then it's going to be on the likes of Marcus Rojo and Chris Small to come back and fill the gaps
0: yeah, well, I'm telling you, it's going to be a very interesting few weeks until the 5th of October, so that's when the transfer window will close. So there will be a little bit of football, but of course United's start should be a little bit delayed as well, somewhere through September. So very interesting to see who stays and who goes. But of course, we will cover that in the coming weeks. So before we wrap up, I just want to give you guys a, basically a, a tip to say what will be happening over the next, well, the next episode. So... As you know, we do our 3 two, ones because we've been putting together our PubCast Awards. So in that next episode to come out later this week, uh, we will go through who the player of the season, well, the PubCast player of the season was. Um, and then we'll obviously go through, you know, the maybe the top five or so or, you know, through the squad and just say that player's best moments, what's yet to come from them, uh, worst player, etc. So look forward to that and uh, going through going through the player seasons and having a little look back. And, of course, any other news that pops up, we will definitely be with you. Tom, that's a good place to leave the podcast, I think.
1: Yeah, no, I've heard a little rumour that I think one metal was leading the votes in the podcast Player of the Year Awards.
0: Yeah, I think that was in your dreams, my friend, then you woke up. So, again, thank you for joining us. Please make sure to give us a five-star review because that means more people can join us in the pub. Thank you, as always, for listening, and we'll catch you in the next one. Cheers.
1: Cheers.